Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello, dear listener. I hope you're feeling good on the anxiety front as you tune into owning it. I have had to take a bit of a break to support my very anxious two-year-old, the irony of which is not lost on me. Um, if you follow me on Instagram, you will know what I'm talking about. We've been dealing with a lot of separation anxiety, which I will explore in another solo episode, but I'm trying to get back to regular pro- programming here as best I can. Um, this is an episode I recorded just a few weeks ago with the brilliant Dr. Leah Katz. She's a clinical psychologist and best-selling author. Her book is called Gutsy. She's working on another one right now. She's been on the show before to talk about people pleasing, but here we are talking about relationship anxiety, but more specifically anxiety in our friendships, which I think is a hugely underexplored topic and something I have definitely experienced. I would say I experience it on a daily basis. We also touch on how to communicate your actual anxiety, like not just anxiety about something, but the fact that you're anxious either to a friend or in your romantic relationships. But as I say, the thrust of this chat is mostly friendships and something I was really excited to learn about, which is dual realities. Please, if you haven't yet, sign up to Owning It Real Time to help manage your anxiety right in the moment that it's happening for you. I know that it has already helped so many listeners and I would be so grateful for your support over there. In the meantime, enjoy this episode and don't forget to share and review. Dr. Leah Katz, thank you so much for being a friend of the show at this point. You're a return guest. I'm so happy to have you all the way. Are you still in Portland? I'm still in Portland. You're still in Ireland? Oh yes, I'm still here. (laughs) Thank you for coming back to me. Um, So since we have spoken, uh, I have just been observing my insights and one of the most popular episodes or subjects that I've ever touched on really is relationship anxiety people are really struggling with relationship anxiety so you talk about this a lot on your social media I know you cover it a lot in your book as well you're such a brilliant voice on just clarifying and giving people tools and really practical ways to approach anxiety in relationships so I'm I was delighted that you were going to be my expert to talk about this again to begin with I was talking with this with my friends and with my husband and I kind of feel, I don't know if you would agree, that there's probably more anxiety in relationships when they're friendships. And the reason being is that 
it's just like a little bit more hard for my husband to get that annoyed that he will divorce me (laughs) but it's so much easier with the friend like we're so much more cautious with friendships and I really have no problem you know if my husband pisses me off like I I think we're we're lucky in that we're very good communicators but we so if there's something that's really bothering me I will say it and I don't really mind the outcome I don't mind if it turns into a a big bust up I don't mind because we're just that open with each other but with a friend I'm so much more likely to really suffer with anxiety around like what are they thinking did I say the wrong thing what do you think it's more common in friendships than we give it credit for you know, so interesting because I don't think I've ever contemplated this question head on like you asked it, but I think it's so interesting. And as I'm listening to you talk, I think that there are I there are different sets of norms with how we communicate in our romantic relationships, you know, with the, our partners or husbands yeah. or boyfriends or girlfriends or whoever, um, and friends. I think that there is a different set of norms. And I and I do hear what you're saying. And I'm thinking even from my own personal life and from conversations I have with clients, I do see that anecdotally, you know, like, I don't know what the science says behind that, but just having the anxiety of having to have a hard talk with a friend, uh, comes there's so much more at stake. More. Yeah. There's more at stake. And I think it's, I think that norm is important. Like the norm piece, like, Oh, is it really okay for me to talk this openly and transparently with my friend? You know, there's something that we just sort of know and we accept about our romantic relationships. Um, in yeah. terms of like the degree of authenticity, but yeah, yeah, totally, totally. I, I really do hear that. And I feel like there's so much talk these days around boundaries and how not to be a people pleaser, which we spoke mm-hmm. about before. And, mm-hmm. you know, how to articulate yourself and be like, this doesn't suit me or whatever. And it's so much harder to put that into practice when it comes to a friendship. You know, I feel mm-hmm. like that we're not picking up on the nuance involved in friendships. And it, and it could be a really close friendship where it should be a little bit easier to communicate, but especially the kind of looser connections that we have with people where me saying, you know, this is informing right now would actually result in quite a big divide or certainly a lot of anxiety on my part. What do you think, what do you think the difference is here with the anxiety between romantic relationship and, and not romantic platonic? Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, this goes back to what we were saying before, like the expectation that we have when we come into the relationship is important. So I think it even comes down to exposure, like what we see in media and in culture and on movies, you know, where we do see, I think, hard conversations played out quite often in romantic comedies when it comes to that sort of thing. But we really don't see friends having hard heart to hearts and taking risks and getting vulnerable and talking about how the relationship is going. I think it is now that we're talking about it, I really do think so. Like it's just more it's less talked about and it's more taboo. And I think, um, you know, and maybe even like this is, you know, there's less written about it. There's less books about it, less focus on it. And so there you go. Media. There's your next book. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I'm actually working on another book about relationships and maybe like that's, a, that's a part mm-hmm. of it, you know, like not, you know, all the relationships and how we can bring more of our true selves and our authentic selves to our relationships. Because I think it's something that if we weren't modeled growing up, it's something that we really do have to develop a skill set around as adults. And it comes, and I think that that applies equally to romantic relationships and friendships. But I, I do, to your point, you know, what we're talking about, I think that we just don't have the modeling as much when it comes to friendships. And even the conversations that I'm thinking that like that I have with clients, women clients, female clients of mine. And when we talk about, well, have you talked about this hard thing that's coming up or this hard dynamic that's coming up? a lot of times it's, it's kind of like a shock, like, oh, like, yeah, I could, I could talk about that. Like I, you know, as, as a, and I think so the norm oftentimes becomes like, we talk to other friends about the trouble that we're having this with, with this one friend, as opposed to just having that really hard intentional conversation with a particular person. 
And I'm thinking even like I had a pivot around this in my own life a few years ago where I noticed I had one friendship that I was feeling some resentment around and pulling back from, and I would vent to my husband and my own therapist at the time. And my therapist was, was the one to suggest to me, like, why don't you just tell her, which sounds so basic and intuitive. But for me, I I remember that moment. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so like, I'm working on my own authenticity in my life and in my relationship with my husband and my kids and all around, of course, I should bring this to my friendships. And that's actually how I framed it with my friend. You know, like I said, this is a value of mine being more authentic and transparent. And I want to see if we can be this way with each other too. And we had a hard conversation, but it really did bring us closer together. And, um, you know, I, yeah, that well, that's was a good. powerful, that, that is good. And sometimes it doesn't. So now we can talk about that too. Yeah. But, well, that's yeah. the thing. I mean, I feel like it's really important to consider, we talk about, you know, you do you and mm-hmm. I think that's a message that's really thrown about as long Mm -hmm. as it suits me (laughs) as the Mm -hmm. receiver of the you do you. So like, Mm -hmm. for example, I wrote about this in my um, last book, I think. I'm not sure which one, where I had this real awakening where my friend was, you know, trying to be authentic and trying to hold her boundaries. And I had invited her. Well, actually, I didn't invite her. I selfishly decided to invite her on this trip to New York that mm-hmm. I was going on that served my needs. And so it was some kind of work stuff for me. And we had said in very casual conversation, oh, like, wouldn't it be amazing to be back in New York again? And she was like, oh my God, I would love to be there. And I just thought, oh my God, I went and I booked these flights for her as a surprise. And when I went to her and said, I, I've done this, she did not react the way that I mm-hmm. had hoped that she would. And to, in her defense, she was like, I'm really trying my hardest here to hold a boundary. It actually doesn't suit me. I'm really, you know, it's such a kind thing that you've done. But, uh-huh. and I'm like, if it was any other friendship where I was, I'm, I felt so, I guess my ego was bruised. Mm-hmm. I felt just dejected. And I was, my my initial response was to just be a bit cold and cut her off mm-hmm. and be like, hey, could you do that? And the, mm-hmm. trying to just grow as a human, I was like, hang on a second like this person is someone you value so much like it's probably really hard for her to say this to you mm-hmm. maybe think about it from her perspective and now we have like such a good friendship for that but I mean and I'm so grateful for it but there is we talk about like being comfortable about like you know setting out your boundaries and mm-hmm. um saying you know all the language around not people pleasing but like where I think we're lacking is in how we receive it when other people do that and stand up for mm-hmm. themselves as the friend. We're like, no, I'm not okay with you doing that because you've hurt mm-hmm. my feelings. Right. So, totally. I'm curious how how did you so did you end up talking about how you felt? We did. And like she was very kind to let me talk about it in a book. And I was like, it was a perfect example for me to be like, I needed to realize that that was me, you know rejecting her boundaries when I'm there saying no I want to have my own boundaries I want you know you do you but only as we we really only accept it only insofar as it suits us yeah and that is an issue and that's when relationships become really one-sided and resentment builds up and it does not feel good and a lot of people find themselves in relationships like that and that is the beauty of and that's why I asked, like, how did you respond? Or were you able to talk about your, the way you felt too? Because that's, and I think we like had talked about this a little bit before, like the idea of dual realities where we, in our healthiest relationships, there's space for 
it for all. Like there really isn't anything that we can't talk about, even if it feels really hard or we're not sure if we should, you know, and, but it's how we deliver it. That's important. So that using skill, and this is a word that I use a lot on social media, I get asked so many times, like, what does it mean skill? And I have posts about that too, but we can talk more about that, like to use skill. Um, and then to make sure that it's reciprocal so that you're both getting a turn to be able to express how you're feeling. So in that situation with your friend, it's so great. I actually really admire the fact that she was able to say, this is how I really feel about this and have that hard conversation. Cause that is such a hard conversation to have when someone's done something so kind and generous for you. And then, you know, after you've done that processing with her and you've understood where she's coming from at some other point, it's not the same conversation, but at another point in time to be able to say, this is how I was feeling about that too. Like just, and to be able to be okay. And that's when we do our best ego work where we can yeah. really just lean into like this, this presence between the two people. It's a very magical thing that if we can create that with someone else. And I mean, I'm so grateful for, for the learning that it gave me, but I'll be honest, mm -hmm. like that's probably the only friendship outside of my romantic relationship where mm -hmm. I would feel like safe enough to do that. I really didn't mm -hmm. mind breaking down the ego and being like, do you know what? I, this is how I really felt. And I feel mm -hmm. I was embarrassed. I felt stupid. Mm -hmm. And these are things mm -hmm. that are hard to confront with friends. And I mean, there's, God, there's so much in this that we could, <laughs> we could unpack. Um, but I suppose you touched on it there, the dual realities. And that was one of the things I saw you post about that really piqued my interest. Um, you know, we talk about the truth and there just being one version of events, but that's mm -hmm. just not true when it comes to interpersonal relationships. Can you just explain a little bit about what you mean by dual realities and how we can apply that learning and just maybe keep it in mind when it comes to our relationships, whether they're platonic or not? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think the concept of dual realities forms one of the most, if not the most important cornerstone in having healthy relationships with other people. And what it means is, and you, you kind of said it yourself in the question, it's this idea of moving away from right versus wrong. And that there, there is a truth, you know, like there is like a way that it happened and moving into a completely different way of, of relating to the other and experiencing the thing that we're talking about, where we say I had my reality of it. So that's one reality. This is how I experienced the situation. This is how I experienced you. This mm -hmm. is what came up for me. So it's very, like very eye focused. This was my experience of it. And we recognize that the other person or persons, however many people there are, we all have our own realities. They have their own reality. They have their own filter and lens through which they're, they saw the exact same center, same interaction. They have their own history that they're bringing, which made them hear you differently. And there's such interesting science that supports this too, in terms okay. of memory that we all remember events differently. And I, this is like such an interesting thing too. I can't remember where the study came from. And this was, I read this one a long time ago, but it's just it's so interesting that we even remember things differently than the last time we remember them. So when we remember an event, we're not actually remembering the initial event. So let's say I'm thinking about like this fun memory I had last summer with my family. And then I think about it again, I'm just daydreaming. I'm not remembering the initial event. I'm remembering the last time that I thought about that event and our memory changes because we're remembering it differently each time. So, um, I mean, it's just really, so that really is a truth that there is no truth. And when we let go of that, it's so freeing. And I think it really does help us unlatch from our egos and our defense because the ego is that part of us that wants us to be right and feels like we need to prove a point. And oftentimes like that comes from old injuries too. So there's personal work here too, where I can understand why is my ego so strong around this? Why does it feel so important for me to be right? What, do, what feels at jeopardy for me? So we, you know, a lot of personal work goes into it too. Um, but this idea of being able to set aside that ego and just like really connect and be present for the other and then for us it has to be reciprocal 
what you're talking about here sounds so key and crucial when it's a relationship that you really value but if someone has maybe carried a friendship on since they were kids and maybe you've got different values now or maybe it's a new friend and maybe you just maybe it was more of a surface level friendship how do you know like when it's worth having the tough conversations versus just letting it go like what if if they're not going to reciprocate you know and we are trying to eliminate stresses in our lives we're just like yeah we say I don't need that in my life anymore yeah when when do we when do we push in a a relationship with, with a friendship and when when do we just let it die almost. Mm-hmm. and I think that there's different kinds of relationships and there's different ways you know people serve different roles for us in our life you know so there might be some friends that you have through your kids school and it's fun to just chat about like kids stuff and what your kids are doing and parenting but you know and I think we, anyone who's listening to this because all so much of our experience is shared we all know like we all know that feeling of like I know I can't really go deeper with this person or I've tried to be more open and honest and authentic and it hasn't been met. And so I think that we, we don't necessarily have to let them go, but I think we just go into them with intent, you know, like this is this kind of friendship and this is what it serves me. It's sort it, you know, it's nothing's black and white. So it's very rare and very hard to find like this well-rounded friendship where we have someone who we're really close to, who we can be deeply authentic with, who we share values with, we have common interests, you know, that's, that's kind of like the, the perfect recipe and it doesn't happen that often. So we have different kinds of friendships and, um, and the boundary piece is important. So if you've tried with this person and you feel like you can't go there, then the boundary becomes important. How much time am I going to invest in this friendship? Is it worth it to me? You know, because I mean, there's science around friendship too, which is so interesting that we only have capacity for a certain amount of friends. So if you're investing time and energy in one friend, who's not reciprocating for you, that's taking away in a very practical way, time and energy that you could be investing in other people that could be a deeper, more fulfilling friendship. And so those boundaries are important. If I, if I tried and I can't do it with this friend, then, then I'm going to pull back or I'm going to really be limiting my time with them. Okay. Across all interpersonal relationships, what do you think in your expertise is the biggest driver of anxiety in relationships? Yeah. Wow. That's a big question. What's the biggest driver of anxiety in relationships? I mean, in my non-expert opinion, I would say uh-huh. like our communication skills or lack of yeah it's it's how we communicate or how we feel we can't communicate from the questions that I've gotten from people on Instagram seems to be Mm -hmm. it's around how to communicate that the anxiety Mm -hmm. comes up yeah and I see that too and I and I think that you're right communication is a really hard one and like we said before it's something that if you were not modeled and you were not taught it's going to be hard to do it as an adult but you can absolutely teach yourself how to do it I think more like what's as like this is what I do as a psychologist like we talk about communication and we talk about the way that the things that are coming up that are impacting your ability to have your most meaningful friendships and we also dig a little deeper you know like so what where does that come from and and I think so if I were to answer the question like where does the biggest anxiety come from I I personally think and this is what I'm writing my next book about it's like the un, it's the unhealed stuff that we come to adulthood with that drive the anxiety behind having authentic open communication you know oftentimes I hear women talk about well if I say this thing to this person then they're going to cut me off or they won't be able to handle it and then we explore well why is that so scary to you you know where does that come from like this idea that I've got to keep people close to me at all times and I can't rock the boat and I and then no and no one can leave me right like no one can tell me that I'm not the right friend for them where does that come from so I think a lot of us are walking around with unhealed unattended to old stuff, not even necessarily rising to the level of trauma, but just old beliefs and narratives that don't work for us. And that come up and that play into this anxiety that we have around connecting with other people. 
Mm. Oh my God, you're bringing, <laughs> you're bringing to my mind a lot of my formative experiences as a teenager, which, you know, at the time you think of as so trivial, but really put in place the beliefs that then you carry over, you know, like I am so frightened of confrontation in a friendship um, to the point that I then the anxiety about having to have a confrontation I just don't go there but then also then you get annoyed being like well I'm not you know speaking up for myself or I'm not I'm not I'm an adult like why do I feel like this and it's so like the, I think the anxiety of actually stepping out and saying when there's something that you feel off about it's it's huge and I I've never overcome that well so this would be this work like the work for you and I think that what you're describing is so resonant for so many people to say in those moments when something's coming up in real time with a friend and I actually just did this this morning with someone because it comes up it comes up so often in therapy where when do I remember feeling this way when I was younger like why does this feel so scary to me and when we have this big reaction that's oftentimes not all the times but it's oftentimes a clue that we're experiencing something old and something unprocessed from our past so when do I remember feeling this way from my youth? And it sounds like what you're saying is like, there's teenage stuff to go back to. And what does that version of myself need to hear from myself today that they didn't know at the time? Cause they were young and they just didn't have the brain development to know it, or they didn't have the relationships with adults around them to give them that perspective. So what can I offer them today to help them heal? And then that helps us ease our own anxiety as adults. Like, it's okay. I can be here for this anxiety. I can be here for this awkwardness. I hear that a lot from people. Like, I don't want to do that because it'll feel so awkward. And that's a word that comes, well, how, so why, why can't you feel awkward? Like, what's so scary about feeling awkward for you? You know, like, where do you think that comes from? And sometimes it's just cause like awkward feels awkward and I don't want to feel awkward and that's okay. You know, but how can we make place for awkwardness? Because if we, anytime we cut ourselves off from the ability to feel any feeling, we're limiting our experiences. So if I say, well, I don't like the way awkward feels, so I'm just not going to do it. Well, then I'm not potentially engaging with people in this very real kind of way. So we have to let ourselves be able to feel the hard stuff. Yeah. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Wow. Well, I feel like I've probably asked a lot of questions about my own issues. <laughs> so I'm going to jump to my questions from other people. Um, so this is across uh, relationships that are romantic and, and not. So I'll just start here. Um, I always worry that friends won't be interested in me or my life. So I really hold back on sharing. What would you say to that? I think it's so similar to what we're just talking about. It's like the fear, it's the fear of rejection. You know, how is what I'm going to say be perceived and land on the other person? And what I would say, just like what we just said now about the, where does that come from? Like, can you imagine a little you that was feeling afraid of people not being interested in them and that made them feel like they needed to protect themselves in some kind of way? And can you give them what they needed? Like some sort of reassurance or something like it's okay. It's, it's so important to have your, to let people see you and know you and your healthiest relationships. And I'm so sorry that you didn't get that from the people around you when you were young. So you offer some healing to your younger self. And then, so it's like doing that healing work. And then the second part of that is about really learning to be brave with yourself as an adult. And that means just taking, I always, like I say this in my therapy work, take a deep breath, you know, cause it's like this deep grounding breath. And just go for it. Like if something feels right to you in here in your chest and you feel like I really want to, I really want to let this part of me be seen and be known, let yourself take those risks. That's the only way that you're going to start rewriting that old belief when you get new evidence and new experiences as an adult, as an older person. I think as well, like the way we communicate now is so heavily digital and we rely a lot on you know if we're in a group Mm -hmm. of friends we rely on a whatsapp group and i Mm -hmm. like honestly i can fall down a rabbit hole of feeling so paranoid that things that Mm -hmm. i've said in the whatsapp group like didn't land or you know they weren't Uh, funny or no one can like hang on they didn't all reply to me but they replied to everything like when she says uh, everyone always replies to what she says and not uh really me like the lack of nuance in our face-to-face communication is I think such a massive driver of anxiety now and oh my that's gosh. I, relationships you know oh, totally 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 and I agree with that too and I see that in my own firsthand experience which is why I limit those kinds of interactions to just more like specifics like do you want to get together or where should we go less of a back and forth with you know sometimes there's more sharing but oftentimes not and I coach all my clients and myself too and it's something that I work on because it's easier to do but if something's important you have an important conversation to have with whomever don't do it via text and don't do it via whatsapp like call and pick up the phone or meet in person so I mean I think there is something huge to that like limiting the amount that we're going back and forth and like let's get together for a girls night out and we can all t- chat and talk and then this piece too of really getting to know your patterns so if this comes up for you and I'm not like not just you you because this is something that comes up for a lot of people about like reading into the messages and reading into how come they didn't respond to me to like understand that part of yourself oh okay like there's a part of me that feels really insecure where did that part develop how can I work with that and how can I heal that part of me to get out of my head less and into just to get into this interaction more Mm. yeah I feel like when I think about the ways in which I respond or feel that kind of bruised feeling sometimes and I know it's just completely from my own lens it's it's what Mm -hmm. I'm showing up to the conversation with Mm -hmm. with my own insecurities but I I think it goes back to like not feeling seen or heard and like, mm-hmm. like really wanting that to be the case, but everyone has their own stuff going on. Um. Okay. Another question. I have a friend. Who and actually, to- can I just, before you jump in, just, yeah. just another piece on that question, because I think it is important because we're talking about authenticity here. And I think that with this close group of friends, and if you do notice this thing coming up for you, where it's 
I notice that I feel left out or no one's responding, say it, like get out of your head and just say it, you know? And like, it can be said in a playful way. Like not everything has to be so serious, but I've done this with friends before too. Like some people are just better people at responding to texts and some people aren't. And like at this point in my life, if someone like I respond to some, I send someone a message and they don't respond to me, like I'll be like silly and send like a little like, oh, like send like one of those little emojis with like the big open mm -hmm. eyes and be like, hello, <laughs> you know? But I think that like, say it, it's okay. We hold back too much. I know it's so true because like when I, when I'm delayed and writing back to someone, it's because I'm busy and I've got a million things going on. When someone doesn't write back to me, I'm like, oh, they hate me. <laughs> I know. And it's so I'm telling you, like so many, I hear this so often. I'm sure people who are listening to this can really relate to it. And so it's knowing your own stuff, getting familiar with your patterns. So you can like laugh at yourself and be like, oh, here's this silly part of myself that comes online that makes me feel insecure. But then with those close relationships, say it, you know, say mm -hmm. like, hey, like, where are you? Or I don't know, however you do it. Uh, this is a question from another listener. I have a friend who gets annoyed when we don't meet each week, busy life and can't do it all. I've definitely had that in the past where the, the expectation or the, what someone else's mm -hmm. idea of friendship measured in teaspoons is compared to yours is different. And mm -hmm. you then end up shrinking away from the friendship because it's so measured and there feels pressure there. I mean, how mm -hmm. would you go about that? Yeah. And I think it, this falls into like this idea of like, what kind of friend is this? Is this a casual friendship? And, you know, it's okay for us to like, you know, just know even internally and not have that conversation that right now we're in different pages and stages with how this friendship's going to be. So I'm going to take a step back. Or is this person in this relationship, this friendship really important to me? And I'm going to have that conversation. And so again, it's like that idea of just, just talking about it. This is how I feel. This is what I can give at this moment. And I can relate to that completely. I'm sure as can you and everyone else, you know, like this, I'd like that. Yeah. Like when we get older and we're raising kids and we're working, we're so busy and friends are important to us, but sometimes we, we just don't have the time and being able to have conversations like that. This is, this is, I just, I had a conversation like this a couple of weeks ago with friends of mine who are going out. And I just felt like I couldn't go out at night because my kids have a hard time with me going out at night. And so I'm very selective about what I do at night when I get home and when it's family time. So most of the time I'll stay home with them because that's what I need to do. Um, and I just, you know, I felt guilty because I felt like, oh, they're going to feel like I'm not, you know, I'm not interested. And this is the second time that I can't go. And mm -hmm. I just laid it out. And this, this is what's happening for me. And this is where I am in my life. And this is what I feel like I can give and how much time I can invest at night. Like nighttime's not great for me, but I can go for coffee some mornings. And it was received really well because this was like a really close group of friends. And, um, it felt good. It feels good. You know, when we, when we're open and we just lay it out there, it feels good. Even if it's not received well, it usually feels pretty good. Given the theme of this podcast is anxiety in general, I have a lot of questions uh -huh. for people about how to communicate their actual experience of anxiety with people, because often that is like another layer of anxiety on top of whatever mm. it is they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. I have this really vivid memory of when my anxiety was really growing and it was 2014 and we didn't have as much awareness as we have of it now. And I wasn't going to say, oh, I'm anxious. I can't go. Mm -hmm. I remember getting a text from a friend and I think I had tried to communicate that I just was really struggling at the time and I had withdrawn from everything and I wasn't going, I mean, I wasn't physically capable of going out. I could barely go to the shop to buy milk. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember this friend was like, you know, she, she meant well, but she just didn't understand. And she said, you know, she took offense to my withdrawing and, and oh. was like, I don't know if I've done something, but you know, I just like, it'd be really great to see you. And then I felt this massive pressure. Oh my God, you know. I'm I just I have to like I'm trying to look after myself here 
but uh-huh. now people are annoyed at me because they think that they don't get it or whatever or that now you know how do I prioritize my friendship so I think communicating your anxiety like to me mm-hmm. I'm so familiar with it now that everyone knows if I say look I'm not I'm feeling off I don't want to go mm-hmm. they're not going to bat an eyelid but for mm-hmm. someone who's like new to the feeling communicating your anxiety in a relationship that's romantic or with friends is really tricky and I think in romantic relationships there's a fear that especially if you just meet someone if you're like really into it but you, you struggle with anxiety you're afraid you're going to mm-hmm. scare them off that's a question that mm-hmm. I got and then with friendships it's like I need to prioritize my boundaries without you thinking that I'm being selfish and actually take it seriously that I am struggling with this yeah how, how would you recommend someone yeah. start with communicating their anxiety yeah I mean I think that a lot of times the language we use is helpful so and it's helpful so it's sort of like the mirroring it's the pairing of the language we use in terms of relating to our own anxiety becomes like a nice module for how we communicate our anxiety to the people around us. So if we're able to regulate ourselves, I think that's always a good thing. If we're having a hard conversation with someone to try and like work through like the extra energy or the stress or the anxiety it's bringing up is a really great thing. So even like going for a walk or working out or making sure that you have, you're hydrated and you've eaten before you have this conversation is important, just like you would want to do for your own anxiety if you're experiencing anxiety and then the language that you use too. So uh, I think that this kind of language can be really helpful saying, saying it like I experience anxiety. I feel anxiety when da da da, as opposed to like, I'm so anxious and I'm like all consumed by this feeling like that's harder to hear. And it's harder to, for yourself to experience. It's not really fair for you. So to be able to separate it out, it's a separate entity that I do experience. And then to bring that authenticity to the picture, like, this is what I experience. This is what comes up for me. This is how it impacts my day-to-day life. This is how it can impact the friendship or relationship, whatever it is that you're talking about, and then take it from there. And when you practice that sort of regulation and skillful communication, because the skillful communication, like we said earlier, is like that idea of like really keeping it in your, in your perspective. This is how I feel. This is what happens for me. Um, it'll give you a lot of information about the other person. So that's also, you know, how they respond to you will give you information about the quality of that friendship and where they're at in terms of like their own emotional availability. So some people might have a hard time with that and still personalize it and say, well, you know, you should still, you still sort of have done this or you still sort of, and not that they don't have the rights, their feelings, but it's just how they handle it. It might, it gives you insight into their emotional availability and maturity. Some people respond to your communication well, and some people won't. Like I remember once this was a long time ago where I, I get migraines sometimes. And I told someone in a professional setting, like they come migraines for anyone who gets them, like they come on very suddenly, you don't know that they're coming and they can really disrupt the whole rest of your day. So I had some commitments and I told someone I'm getting a migraine. I'm really sorry. Like I, I feel terrible. Like I'll have to like postpone and I will let you know. And and that person responded in such a harsh way. Like, well, I wish you would have told me this earlier. And I wish you would have, you know, so that was information for me, you know, like that was okay. Like I see where this person is at in terms of their own journey with emotions and their ability to be present for mine. Okay. You know? And so then after I heal from my migraine or whatever, you know, you take a little bit of a break, whatever is going on for you, you figure out what you're going to do about that. You know, whether it's just setting a boundary or having a communication about that, what you need in a friendship or a relationship. Like I need someone to really hear my feelings and that felt really unsupported. Um, yeah. That's so interesting. I mean, really, we think of our communication as so transactional and like just about the language or English language, but really you're coming to it through, you're perceiving everything through your own lens of your past experience your mood all the different reasons why you might be vulnerable right now like you might be tired all the different things that might be going on meeting there where they're at their communication style and like no wonder there's anxiety rises up in relationships um it's just we like just even to be aware of you know 
where okay yeah like it's really healthy to be aware of where you're coming from but it's also really healthy to think hang on because so often we just think oh someone was just being rude I, I really don't think that people are really that rude just in nature without there being some kind of explainer behind it and again it's like stepping away from the ego and you know being willing to do that and, and like explore what's going on um I'm conscious of times I know that you have to run off to something but um this was this was interesting um is it normal to feel anxious even around my best friends or is that an indicator of them maybe not being the right people for you? Well, I think it's an indicator of something, you know, I think that in terms of nervous system regulation, you know, we hope to keep our nervous system regulated much of the time. And when it's dysregulated, which is anxiety, like where we're elevated and there's adrenaline pumping and our nervous system is activated, it's a clue that something's going on. That's what I would say. So maybe you're dealing with generalized anxiety. Maybe, maybe you're dealing with some social anxiety, like where you feel like you're put under, you know, like the hot seat when you're not being put under the hot seat because of your own history, you know? So that might be a part of it. It's not necessarily an indicator that there's something wrong with the friendship, but something to ask yourself to get clarity on that question might be, um, is this a pattern for me? So is this something that comes across multiple different relationships that I have with people in multiple different settings? then that's probably an indicator that you're bringing something to the picture. You know, like you're having some you're sort the of common anxiety, denominator. right? You're the common denominator. Is it just with this person or these people? Okay. Like what's happening in this friendship? What's happening here? Yeah. I mean, I think if you really think about it and you're not asleep at the wheel of your life, your intuition will tell you something is off and you mm -hmm. might, you might know what that is without really wanting to go mm -hmm. there. It's hard to confront. Mm -hmm. um, anxiety. This is, I, I think we've probably touched on this, but again, it's, seems to be so common with women because I think mm -hmm. I think guys will just they're so literal and you know they'll say it if they've gotten annoyed or something but anxiety around feeling excluded and isolated from a group of girls who are friends um so and like this is again something I thought you would be leaving behind this at the school gates um but it's it's even into your 20s and 30s and 40s it's still mm -hmm. it's still such a thing and like you said earlier about it being modeled like I know from my own mother like and like just wasn't the done thing to have it out mm -hmm. with someone so they would just kind of withdraw and you would never really laundry in public you would never allow yourself to be vulnerable and we're in this whole new world where we're like oh be authentic be vulnerable set your boundaries uh -huh. don't be a people uh -huh. pleaser and it's just so hard to communicate it is, hard. That. it is hard because it's not only learning something new it's unlearning things from the past so we have to remember like that's two parts to it right that like and me too you know I think a lot of us were brought up with being praised for being quiet it was so it's so good that you didn't say anything you know like wow like that was so strong that you didn't speak up for yourself even though this person really hurt your feelings like that was the messaging that I received growing up too and so it's it's unlearning that because that's, that can have a big impact on your sense of self and your norms of right and wrong and how much space you can take up. And it's learning the whole skill set of, okay, now that I've worked through the stuff that told me that I couldn't bring this up, let me really learn the language and how to bring it up. You know? So it's like what we were talking about before, keeping things very centered on this. Is, this was my experience. This is how I felt about it. Trying to stay factual. Like this is what happened. And this is how I felt about it. Trying to like make an ask. Let's always like when we move the conversation forward in a positive direction, that's usually a good way to have the conversation. So what I would need to change is da 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 da, or what I really need from you is um, an apology for how you spoke to me, you know, and then you finish off with like this idea of like, and I really think it'll make us feel closer together. So I think that that's sort of like a little bit of a formula on how to have that conversation. And it is hard. I mean, I think that a lot of us are really wired to not do that. That's so interesting. And I, I think like, 
it's we can get so defensive so quickly in our relationships that we can be like well you're an asshole or you're this or I'm this and like just to constantly be mindful of that dual reality is so helpful like this is my experience or this is how I felt or but then it can kind of go against you when like someone is being passive aggressive and they're like well I'm sorry if I made you feel that way it's like you're not right. accepting responsibility no for and that is not dual realities and you're right the language can get really tricky because sometimes the language could be similar but it's how it's said and it's the intent that's said so if I say I heard you you know I heard you you say, or how I experienced you was very critical. And I really, I really felt like you were putting me down. And the other person says, well, I'm sorry that I, you felt like I was putting you down. It's very different than them saying like, I'm really sorry that what I said or what you heard me say made you feel that way. Yeah, That's different. Even if it's like a similar ish kind of way of communicating. Okay. Cause then we're entering gaslighting territory, which is a whole other conversation. A whole other, and I think that intent is important. And it's, it's like the way that you, it's the way that you communicate. Like, is the, is, are you being transparent and authentic or is there some sort of agenda to protect your ego? You know, like, Mm. and that's really, I think the line between gaslighting now that I'm saying the line between gaslighting and like what we're talking about with dual realities is like, is my ego, is my ego involved here? Is, am I, do I have an agenda to protect myself? Mm -hmm. And I think we all do because that's the way we're wired. Um, Yeah. Leah, thank you so much. I mean, it sounds like you're working on a book that is going to really just be the antidote to all of these worries. Mm. When can we expect that? Uh, it's still in process. I don't have a time frame yet, but I'll let you know as I as I know more. But I'm okay. really excited about this one. This one's exciting for me because it really does mirror a lot of, I've done lots of work on this in my own marriage. I've been married for, got married pretty young. We've been married for 15 years. We were like so little and emotionally immature when we got married. So we've had to work a lot on our marriage and learn all these different things, dual realities and transparency and authenticity and how to communicate. And so it's something that really hits personally for me and that I, I, I love talking about this because I think mm-hmm. a lot of us I think if we talked more about how hard relationships could be, uh, we'd feel a lot more supported and they might be less hard, you know, like yeah. we might be able to and have these conversations more. Absolutely. And in the meantime, I mean, I just absolutely love the the tidbits and advice that you share on Instagram. It's so digestible and it always stops me in my tracks and makes me kind of just reframe. And um, so I would obviously urge anyone to go and follow you there. And obviously Gutsy, your book previously is still widely available. Um, yes. Leah thank you so much you're just such a wealth of knowledge and I hope that you will remain a friend of the show and return maybe another time we can talk about gaslighting which I feel like is a word we're hearing so oh much of now so much. Um, yeah. keep in touch and then when your book is out we will definitely um give it the airtime that I know it will deserve so thank you for oh, your thank you time. oh thank you for having me this was a great conversation thanks Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. The easiest way to access Owning It Real Time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for Owning It Real Time and access a full library of 10 situation-specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before.